You are listening to Tales from the Trenches by Nicola Graham, a podcast focusing on all things business change related. Time to hand over to you, Nick. This is Tales from the Trenches of Change Management, and I am joined here today by Elizabeth Harron. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. No worries. Thank you for joining us. We've been very excited to uh, to have a conversation with you today. Um, so you are often named one of the most influential people in project management, and your website, Rebel's Guide to Project Management, actually turns 16 years old in January. Congratulations for that. Is it's award winning, and it's fair to say that you're about to release your latest book about managing yes. multiple projects. That's right. That's it. <laughs> Do tell us more. Um, I don't call myself an influential person in project management, but people over the years have said some very nice things. So, um, yeah, that's been that's been nice. And um, yes, I mean, the website's been around for a long time now with a different name earlier on. uh, But we have rebranded it now to the Rebels Guide to Project Management. And I'm really excited to see how that takes us, where that goes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, And I I personally, um, obviously, have, have kind of a, a close close thing to my heart I would really like to love I'd love to find out more about the success of your website I mean how how has it been so successful for you I think the answer to that is I started it a long time ago um, <laughs> perhaps I mean in the beginning in the early days it was it was very conversationable about my life as a project manager and what I'd learned that week and what I was working on and back in the day blogs were very much like that and you you looked at them and you read people's stories and nowadays with much more competition and much more um people use the internet in a different way so i've had to change what i write about in order to to meet the expectations of what people are coming to to the blog for so we've got a lot more how-to content now more videos and things like that in that we didn't have before so i suppose the big shift for me has been moving from a blog that just talked about me and my life and helpful tips to something that was more focused on other people and I think just in general for business if you if it's not about you it's about who you serve then I think that's perhaps contributed a bit yep yeah that's true that's true and see and and taking taking a poke around your website I I guess a lot of it's about consistencies as well um and remaining remaining on that you know, const, the consistent forefront of people knowing that you are constantly blogging, you're giving them good quality uh, content, you know, really driving it that way. So I think, uh, yeah, it's clearly helping you build a, a nice career and name for yourself. So well, congratulations. Over, thank you. There's 1,100 articles on there now. And when I look back goodness. at some of the older ones, I think, oh, my goodness, did I really write that? That's, that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we do do quite a lot of content refresh. And every year we try and pick some of the older stuff and, and update it, make yeah. it a bit more relevant to the work, working world today. Yeah, fantastic. And I, and I assume you obviously love to write as well, because it's it's really hard to write. Really. I mean, I, I've, I've taken a well, it is for me. <laughs> I do, I, I've taken a stab at some personal blogs and, and, and finding the time and also not rewriting it a thousand times and and kind of you know really criticizing everything i write is really hard as well so to to, to be up in the you know uh, those numbers of it's just crazy that you can write that much so i, I i'm in awe of you <laughs> well I've, I've always written things if since i was small i wrote poems and stories and so writing is my thing and the fact that the internet makes it possible for me to earn a living from that is pretty cool because you know 30 years ago i wouldn't have been able to monetize that 
if to use a very online entrepreneur type jargon, uh, but, but it's nice to be able to do something I enjoy and help other people at the same time and it pays the bills. So it's all good. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. So before we go into more detail about you and your career, because I'm, I'm really, really keen to find out also about this new book that, that, that's being released. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about you personally? Give us your, uh, okay. Who, who is Elizabeth Herron? <laughs> I found project management quite early and I started on a graduate training scheme where I discovered there was this department called business re-engineering and it was all about ticking things off and helping people get stuff done and I thought wow that plays to my strengths and I didn't even know it was a really really a career but I think what that's meant is because I found project management interesting and early my whole identity is kind of wrapped up in it and mm. I don't know how I would do anything else so you know even things like mentoring, I was lucky that my first boss basically said to me, well, we've got someone else joining the department. You mentor them because, you know, I imagine he thought, well, you're about the same age and you've been in the job a year. It would be useful for someone else to have that sort of just joined experience. And then yeah. you know, mentoring and teaching other people is something that have stuck with me my whole career as well. So I, I think who is Elizabeth is kind of wrapped up in what I do. And I I know it shouldn't be like that because we should have our other identities and the hobbies and things that we do. But honestly, outside of work, I don't do very much. I've got kids. I cook. Don't do much. You've got kids. That's that's something a lot to do. To be fair. Come on. It takes a lot of time, which is yeah. why I have no other hobbies. <laughs> and, and you mentioned that, that, you know, PM work has gone into your identity. I have a question for you. Do you find that your friends and family will often kind of go, you're actually putting PM terminology into your sentences about uh, oh, yeah. about girly chat. Do you do that? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, do you do the same thing? Because business changes, is, again, it's so much fundamentally it's part of how we operate. It's a challenge. And my friends <laughs> are going, you're talking like you're in business, Nick. What are you, what are you talking about? Exactly. Like, we'll say things like on a Christmas dinner. Christmas dinner, we write out the critical path. <laughs> so we've got all of the things we don't, we have a timetable of what goes in the oven when <laughs> it's quite sad really but I really hope my kids are picking this up when we did homeschooling we had a big Kanban board uh, of things to do and then had we done it and we moved the on sticky notes we moved them across on the columns every day and reset it so that they knew they had a visual reminder of what lessons we still had to get through when we were homeschooling for coronavirus and so hopefully things like that will trickle through into their consciousness and they will become better at organizing their work when they get bigger yeah absolutely i mean we're here to here to guide them to be adults at the end of the day and that's exactly mm -hmm. what you're, doing. you're preparing them for work so good for you <laughs> so um you've previously reflected on rebel's guide to project management and it was originally called girl's guide to project management yes it was yeah and so as a reflection on how you felt that there was this lack of female voices within project management industry, obviously that's why you'd originally written that book, correct? So looking back at these 16 years and since mm -hmm. you've created your website, have you seen a shift? It's a personal place for me and obviously as well. So I'm really keen to understand that. Um, have you seen that shift in the landscape of women? And is that maybe why you well, changed your name? I... I started out with that name because I was the girl and it was my guide to project management and mm. I was writing a book at the time and I felt like I needed a particular way of setting myself apart from some of the other more corporate resources that were out there and you know as a 
younger woman, it felt like it was a suitable name. It was a bit long and it wasn't, you know, and I kept getting asked about it. But I am a man. Can I look at your website and stuff like that? Uh, but yeah. it was uh, quite catchy. And I still go to conferences and people come up to me and go, oh, your girl's guide to project management. And I go, yes, yes, I am. Uh, so it stuck. And I think that's why it took me so long to change it, because there has been a shift, not necessarily yeah. in the amount of the representation of women at work and the amount of women in senior jobs or the amount of women working in IT, which is mostly my my background. Um, but just in the way that we are more di- more diverse, more inclusive, more yeah. aware of language now. Mm. And I'm really, I'm embarrassed really. It took me so long to give it up as a name. And we've, I've talked about it lots in the past, but I was never brave enough to do it because it was always me and my identity. And if you couldn't see the apostrophe, then it was your problem. But actually it was, yeah. it, it, it didn't work like that. It, it goes totally against what I said to you at the beginning about how the website needs to exist to serve other people. And that's you know, yeah. supporting yeah. people to do their projects better is what I'm all about. So why, why did I name the website after myself? So looking back, it was bizarre, but it mm. felt right at the time. And I think all I can say is, you know, I finally came around to the idea that it's, it needed to change and it needed to be quite drastic in the way that we changed it. And we've landed on something because I have a community of project managers called Rebel, uh, Project Management Rebels. And it just felt like it was time to bring those two groups together. So mm. blog becoming a rebels guide. And then if people want to go further than that and they don't just want the free stuff, they want to join the join the community, they can become a project management rebel and hang out with I in a circle <laughs> so it yes, felt yeah. it, it joins up but yeah it was a bit of a wrench I have to say and it's yeah yeah it's and it's it, it's interesting and and I um my, I, I'm very delicate with this opinion of mine because it can it can often be misconstrued the wrong way but I think it's that I can I can completely see that where that name come from and actually 16 years ago is a very different world to where we are today. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'm really pleased that you've also witnessed, as I have, that increase of females in the work working environments, especially within IT, um, which is great. But it's all about inclusion, isn't it? And it's about um, involving everyone in that. And, and I think there is always that danger when you start to label people as female or people as an IT person or, uh, you know, a, a specific gender or a race you're in that danger of then kind of going actually we're still we're still ostracizing everybody and keeping everyone separate whereas rebels we can all be a rebel right there's you know exactly. it's, it's inclusive I, you, I think you can be inclusive but we still need to have space so if i can hold space for people who share common values to me in that they know that they want to manage their projects better and they want to be able to do it but the textbooks don't really help them do it in real life and we're seeing that big shift in business change i mean in project management now anyway in the Mm. way that we approach delivery of change is not the same as we did it 20 years ago and it's much it is just it's more inclusive of the fact that we should be tailoring for different environments and so yeah there, there was a bit of a shift towards being able to do your own thing and yet still operate within the confines of what it means to be a corporate employee. So, yeah. yes, I mean, I think it's 
it also reflects my personal growth as well, because, you know, I'm 45 now. I don't really think it's appropriate to call myself a girl. And probably in hindsight, looking back, it never was. Yes. But you, <laughs> you're a girl at heart. Bring out your inner child. <laughs> but no, sorry, yes. I, I joke. But yeah, no, I, I see it as well. It's a it's a, a shift in shift in your 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 career journey as well, isn't it? You know, just yes. kind of highlight that. And to be yeah. honest, I was really worried about it. And when I emailed everyone and said, um, you know, I emailed my mailing list and said, we've changed the name. I was like, oh, my goodness, am I going to disappear? Is the Internet not going to remember who I am anymore? And no one's going to want to be associated with this anymore because it doesn't speak to their what, what they feel is important because you know, a lot of my readers are women. Um, and actually, that was not the case at all. I did not have one concern complaint issue all I got a lot of emails but they were all very positive and from a very diverse group of people from a very diverse uh, segment of my audience and it helped me understand that my audience was made up of such a wide range of people the project management professionals do include non-binary professionals people from all over the world in different countries speaking different languages of different ages and talking about themselves and their identities in different ways but all coming together with behind this idea, hopefully, of wanting just to do the best possible job that they can and still leave the office on time. <laughs> oh, fabulous. And, 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 a, and what transition for, for yourself? Because obviously you've just spoken about your changing world and actually you feel that you've grown from that, from what you're calling yourself as a girl to now actually look, look, at, look at what that change in that name has taught you. It's that actually you're not just followed by one particular person. There's lots of people out there that you're actually helping. I think that's quite a, a really fabulous message for you, isn't it? Mm, perimenopause has a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a different podcast, all in all. <laughs> another day, Nick. <laughs> another day, another day. Maybe a glass of wine with that one. <laughs> Not that I'm advocating alcohol, alcohol you know, <laughs> uh, but it gets me through. Um, so your new book, Managing Multiple Projects, yes. that gives us the impression that in our industry today, there is so little time and so much work to be done. So what, what has been the most important tactics that you can give us as tips as to when you're dealing with multiple projects? Well, that's exactly why I wrote it, because these days everybody seems to be juggling multiple things, regardless of what kind of business or industry you're in. It's just there's so much, just, just feels so much to do. So I think the... Two tips I'd give people who are listening would be understand your workload, because often I speak to project managers, I speak to lots of people who don't true, who can't truly articulate what it is that fills up their day. They know that they're really busy, but they couldn't tell me all the projects that they work on. So I know that sounds silly, doesn't it? But because there's so much information overload and because often we think of the three or four main things that we're doing for our boss, all the other stuff that we're expected to do, like organize the team lunch and learn sessions or do performance reviews for our 15 members of staff all things that take up a lot of brain power and energy and time are kind of pushed to the bottom of the list and you think oh you know, so having a complete overview and complete transparency about everything you're expected to do all that ad hoc monthly reporting and stuff like that and then looking at how you can group and combine those activities what you do in a day in order to be more efficient because I don't know if this is the case for the way that business change is taught or delivered, but often with projects, we're taught the project management lifecycle, whether you do that through the Scrum methodology or whether you do that through a more predictive waterfall style. It's here's how you manage one project. 
But if you layer the one project way 10 times, it becomes so bureaucratic and burdensome. And there's got to be smarter ways of combining. There are smarter ways of combining things and being efficient and looking for synergies, even though all of that just sounds like one big buzzword that I've just said, but trying to be (laughs) streamlined in the way that you approach your tasks. Does yes, that make sense? Absolutely. No, it does completely. And it's, it's. I mean, like immediately what springs to mind for me within change management is it's looking at the, obviously the dependencies across multiple different projects and understanding absolutely. the disruption. So we're always talking about disruption and change, uh, ch- sorry, change freeze. And it's, okay, so you're talking about multiple projects and you're talking about how much, um, how many little tasks that you have and how you can manage that as, as one project manager. Now apply that to, the business and think about how many times they're being affected or impacted by all all of these changes that are happening with them. So it's very much of similar where you're multi, where, where you're managing multiple projects. We're looking at multiple projects and how they're affecting the business. So it's yes. it's kind of getting that overlay and just you know almost tracing paper over each other to see where where those the, the, those um, uh, really disruptive areas are. Exactly. And making sure that they're aligned with the business as well. Yes. And when you know where the alignment falls, you can make sure there isn't change fatigue by putting too much change into one department at any one time. And helping the stakeholders as well, because one of the things I see is communication fatigue. So as a project manager, I'm sending out a weekly report about all of my 10 projects. Why would I do that? Because I've probably only got three stake, three project sponsors because I'm working for them on several different things. Combine everything together because for them, I am their project manager. I'm not three different project managers. They just want to have one relationship with me about all the work that they do that I am doing on their behalf. So looking at things like that, which now I'm saying out loud, it doesn't really feel revolutionary, but honestly, talking to people about how they manage their workload, it's, it's not common practice. And I really think it should be. And, and and you mentioned before, it's it's understanding that workload. And I think that's incredibly important because I actually feel that um, or I recognize that it even if you if you take a step slightly out of projects for a moment, even in the way I communicate with my team, I, I'm very sensitive to. OK, I I'm very good at kind of going th- thinking a thousand miles an hour and then I'm 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 giving tasks to my to my team and saying, OK, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do the other? And and often something will prioritize everything else they're doing. And you can kind of see that 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 there's almost that moment where they're too that they feel like they can't say no or they can't push back to that. And it's understanding that. And then you've got the the pandemic situation of we're now all working from home. And what did you and I both say as soon as we got on this call? Oh, my goodness, it's lunchtime already. Yes. We've sat down from nine o'clock or whenever you start work and it's back to back meetings. Whereas before you wouldn't in the office environments, you didn't have this back to back situation. Now I'm squeezing in 30, 30 minute meetings or 15 minute quick, quick calls. Oh, can I chat to you very quickly? And before you realize it, you, you don't know what you've done with your day because you've got that constant chat, 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 chat with other people mm-hmm. that it, it, it's usually in a, in a working environment, you might have that conversation here, but now you're making the point of calling somebody. I think it's even harder to, to recognize what you achieve in your day. I think it is. But I also think that the way that we talk about productivity and success is slightly flawed because the day that you've described, you may well get to the end. I would do that. I'd get to the end of the day and go, I've done nothing. All I've done is answer emails from my team. I've taken calls, blah, blah, blah. But actually what I've done is created the environment for other people to do their best work. And I've unblocked things and I've helped people get clarity around what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And I've built better working relationships because I've solved problems. And 
we should give ourselves credit for doing that. That's all good stuff. I like that. Relabeling you it. Have, you, yeah, you haven't ticked off things on your to-do list, but you haven't been unproductive. So if we, it's just about reframing what success looks like. And for a project manager, it's really annoying because I love ticking things off. My whole professional yeah. being is around marking tasks as 100% complete. I like to yes, hit yeah. the deadlines and stuff. And if you get to the end of the day and you've achieved And you're governed nothing, that way, right? So yes. And success is determined by whether or not we hit milestones and t- tick things off. So it's very much within our within our interest to try to cross things off the to-do list. And it's frustrating when you get to the end of the day and you haven't. But if I've spent half an hour of that day talking to an employee who was very upset about a awkward meeting they had with a stakeholder or rewriting some communication because it didn't meet whatever, you know, it didn't land as well as we thought it would when we piloted it. That's not useless. That's not pointless no. work. It might be different to what I thought I'd be doing, but it's still valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And and I and I completely agree with you. I've just never thought about the reframing what success looks like and and I can see that that is really hard because you are so project management's personas tend to suit that, you know, task tick 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 and also the governance of that. Um mm. but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely got a nice feel to that reframe reframing what success looks like for a project manager. Um, I can't take the credit for coming up with that as an idea. So when I was researching the book, I read loads of books about productivity and time management and leadership and engaging other people and um now I'm not going to be able to remember which, which one that was in. Um, but I can find out. You could put it in the show notes if you'd like. Yes, definitely. Please do. We will. We will. And uh, we mentioned, so, so obviously that, that brings me on to my next question is around productivity and burnout. So obviously I'm, I, it clearly is a, a thing for me about this back-to-back meetings. And, you know, you're mentioning about actually what have I done with my day? I feel like I've been busy all day long. Are you able to give our listeners some tips um, and maybe uh, maybe make those tips around what you should look out for when it comes to the possibility of burnout? I mean, that work-life balance. Give us a success story if you've got one. <laughs> I, I did a survey of uh, 200-ish, I think, mm. project managers looking at what does it mean to manage multiple projects. And they came up with some good challenges and good warning signs as a result of that analysis. And... The biggest concerns that were flagged for me are things like work not being done to an appropriate quality. So if you're looking at your workload and you're thinking, I'm getting through everything and it's all just a bit rubbish. You know, I'm turning in work that is not my best. I'm turning in work that uh, hasn't been quality checked or hasn't been tested or piloted to the the way that I would want to do it as a professional. Mm. Then that's a warning sign because you're so squeezed that quality is beginning to suffer. And work falling through the cracks. So the more people who have to remind you or chasing you up with emails or leaving you voicemails because you haven't done it, that's a sign as well. Or if you just sense in yourself that there's something you've forgotten and you can't quite put your finger on it, it's a sign that you're not on top of the task management and the workload is too big for you, probably, or it's not being managed in the most effective way. So that would be a worry. And I think also for your colleagues, if you're looking at where your colleagues are struggling to keep up with what you expect of them, or this could be you too, I suppose, not replying to messages, not coming to meetings, not giving you notice that they're not coming to meetings and just not coming, deadlines at risk of being missed. Hopefully you can spot that before they're actually missed. So having that work life and also just, you know, not, not getting a home life, not going to the gym, not doing the things that light you up, being constantly tired. 
um, but within the workplace, I think those if you can spot early that you are struggling to deliver work to a good quality, you are struggling to show up to all the meetings that you've been invited to. Although for that one, I just say just decline them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, decline just the meetings. Prioritise those. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, I think there's. Um, I've started having, you mentioned about the gym and things like that. I've started purposely putting like lunch breaks in mm. so people don't book me for meetings because if not, you don't even get, you don't get lunch. You don't get the opportunity to go for a run or whatever it is that you choose to do in that time. Yes. Um, you know, I always find that, that, that useful as well. Have you got a success story that you can give us? I think success of a work-life balance probably looks different for me, from, for everybody, really. I mean, what do you want to get out of your life? So I can tell you my experience. I had a senior management corporate job and I quit because what I wanted to get out of life was to be a better parent, to be a better human, to spend more time writing. And I wasn't able to do that within my corporate life. And I think the... Um, the other thing that was a struggle for me then was that I didn't feel that my skills were being used in the way that I wanted to use them. So in terms of personal career growth and what success looked like for me as an individual, I'm sure I was doing stuff that the company thought was you know, good enough, but I wasn't personally being satisfied by that anymore. So I'm sure at a different point in my life, I would rate my success and what my work-life balance would be, I'd, I'd look at it differently. When I was younger and didn't have kids, I would be quite happy working eight or six every day but I can't do that now. So I need to have a bit more flexibility. Um, and yet I know other people who choose to work weekends. We had an interesting conversation about it on a, um, on a different session in the week last week around should we send emails out of hours? Because does that put a pressure on the person receiving it to respond mm. when they get it? And there's some sense about doing that to maintain people's boundaries and to make it feel like there's no expectation of working outside of hours. But on the other hand, if you're working with people in different countries, their hours are not the same as your hours. So they're always going to yeah, be sending true. you stuff <laughs> at different hours. Yeah. And for me, I want to be able to work nine till three, pick up the kids from school, have the afternoon with them and then work again eight till 10, for example. Yeah. So yeah. I want to do my hours, but in a flexible way. So I think my success story about work-life balance was changing the job I had so that I could get more flexibility and do more of the tasks that I enjoyed. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. And actually, I I, I resonate with that myself. The um, something that I'm always uh, talking about when I'm engaging with 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 clients specifically on on different products is I'm always talking about the do not disturb features. So, for mm. example, in your Microsoft Teams, I always encourage and one of the key messages of Microsoft Teams for me is put your do not disturb on. I put it on. I don't want my Teams pinging after 6 p.m. or at the weekends because I know what I'm like. I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to work to do, uh, I, I'm going to choose to then work. And I just don't want that stress. So I think it's really healthy. And I, uh, and I, and I feel that since the pandemic, obviously our working culture has changed. And you mentioned yourself, you like to switch off at three, look after your kids and then come back to work for nighttime. Everyone's different. And obviously that, that there is that new normal, I guess mm. I'm interested to know, um, since the work working culture has changed, what is your new normal? Uh, new normal? New normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> working remotely, how, how has that helped you? Well, I was quite remote before. I mean, we had a office culture, even in my corporate job, which was very much come in if you need to be in, travel if you need to travel, but 
you can equally just as well do your job from home. So I don't feel that my life has changed that much, to be honest. I think that the challenge I found from working from home um, and the new is that other people are there. I find it quite distracting to be going in because I work in the shed in the garden. And so if I, it's nice to have like a two-step commute back to the house and I'm not disturbed in that I don't have kids and the cat coming in all the time. But <laughs> if I go in to go to the toilet, to get a drink and there's other people around, there's much more of a sense of, oh, you know, look at this drawing. Can I, can I play Minecraft? Mm-hmm. My, my office colleagues wouldn't talk to me like that. <laughs> there would be no yes, piles yeah. of washing that I would need to put in. Um, yeah. So I sometimes use the co-working. There's a local co-working office and just to go in there and sit and have nothing else to pull my focus can be very uh, stress relieving might not be the right term, but just to be able to have a day where you just focus on, you and your things so I think the work-life balance situation it's great I wouldn't change it I like what I do I think the setup is okay but sometimes you just need to be able to lock yourself away and focus on something that's a bit difficult and house distractions don't help with that maybe if I was tidier tidier and I had a cleaner house (laughs) I'd I'd worry about this stuff less come on who who has that let's face it let's be honest (laughs) good for those who do (laughs) Yeah, I um, yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's an interesting um, it's it's a really close uh, topic for me as well. I mean, you just through this podcast, for those who are who are listening, um, uh, Elizabeth and myself are on a on a camera together, and you've seen my cat jump up twice since the school, mm-hmm. haven't you? So it's very distraction <laughs> distracting all the time. So you do have those distractions, and it is absolutely lovely to get out. I think, and uh, and maybe it, maybe it's 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 that good opportunity now for you to be able to recognize that there are always times where you can be in the house and enjoy it. But then, you know, again, it comes back to what you, what you were saying earlier about making sure that you're recognizing not only burnout, but, but, but your own happiness and your own needs, because there are times where you need to get out and escape away from your family situation so that you're not, you're not, you're not trying to do two jobs at once. You're not thinking work and home life, mummy life. I'm worrying Um, about doing them both badly. I think hybrid working is our new new normal could well be that hybrid model of going if you need to have a day yeah. a month where you get all your team together or I don't know quite how it will work out but I can see that there's I can't imagine that many companies will want to go back to full-on in the office all the time having seen what can be achieved with a remote workforce yeah because uh, yeah, you do get some. those benefits as well I've spent more time looking after my children since the pandemic than I did before in working situations mm. because I had to be in the, I had to be in London so I had to get childcare. now I'm okay for the for the boys to come home from school and they're a bit older obviously but um you know and that I can still be here and feel like I can clock off like you said enjoy some time with them and when they're often off into bed, I can do my work then. That, yes. I think that's been a brilliant, brilliant output from for a lot of people in their working, working situations. So your book, uh, let's come back to your book. Mm. Okay. So um, in your new book, it explores adapting to behaviours and techniques, which will help dealing with man- managing those multiple projects. I'm curious to know, what have you had to implement that has worked for you personally? And how do you deal with the shift and changes needed for each project? Okay. Um, how have I had to change the way I've worked? Well, I suppose when I started my career, I managed larger projects that were bigger and more time consuming. So I had fewer. Mm-hmm. When I came back from maternity leave, really, that I ended up in a slightly different job doing more things. And then I kind of, yeah. I wonder if this is something that happens as you 
build a reputation for yourself and you become known as a safe pair of hands. You know what they say, don't you give it to a busy person. Yeah. I just ended up doing more and more stuff. So I did have to think about how do I manage my workload more effectively? Um, so I started doing things like consolidating my schedules. So I would make sure I knew, as we were talking about earlier about overlaying things, is I would overlay the different timelines for each of my projects and work out where my busy times were going to be. Because if I could predict that next month was going to be really busy because I was starting a project, closing a project, had a big review mm -hmm. meeting, testing was happening, I don't know, you know, a bunch of stuff just happened to inconveniently fall all, all at the same time. Then I could start thinking through, okay, I need to meal plan for that month. I need to make sure I've got childcare for that month. I need to make sure that I don't have any extra things that I have to do for my team. So I want to sign all the holiday forms or um, process all of the whatever admin pieces of paper I have to process so that I'm not then being chased for that. Can I get ahead for monthly reporting? What am I going to do to get me through this month? Can I block out time in my calendar, like you were saying, so that I can actually eat in the day? <laughs> and trying to, so that kind of two week, four week look ahead has become part of how I work now because it helps you avoid the firefighting of yeah. looking in your diary and going, oh my God, that's today. How did I not know? And then trying to rush out the agenda, no time to get the minutes done. And it all just then starts to spiral into a, a, a giant to-do list of stress. So yeah. trying to be a bit more forward thinking, looking at where things overlap and looking at what impacts that has on my stakeholders. So as we were talking about earlier, thinking through how can I make my life easier by making it easier for them? For example, um, the, the project sponsor who I was doing two projects for, I got caught out in one meeting because he started asking me about a project that I wasn't there to talk about. But in his mind, I was just the project manager. I could talk about anything. So that taught me yeah. that I need to look at things from other people's perspective, which is something that you do all the time. Yes. <laughs> but it helps have a reminder. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, um, that, that's, it, it's actually something that I probably need to get some more tips from you, actually, because it's that when you've got all of these plates that you're spinning from your home life through to all of the projects that you're working on or, or running your running your company, obviously dealing with your website. Um, it's it's taking that moment to not be exhausted to actually find the time to plan it because that's the thing I always struggle with. Like mm. this forward thinking is great, but I just get I just get by into night going. I just got no energy to do anything. I can't even think about it. But it's it's that I guess I guess from listening to you today, it's okay. I need to start that. I need to start getting pre-organized so I'm not burning out like you, like you like we've mentioned before about so I can always put make sure everything's planned and ready and I've got those plates spinning and I'm expecting or knowing when to spin the next plate as such but it's it's kind of a you know it's a catch 22 isn't it because you need to yeah. pull yourself out of that I think that dark you, place you, you need to pull yourself out because one of the things yeah. I've been looking at is social media for the website and if I'm teaching a course or something how do I promote that social media does my head in I, I'm totally paralyzed by it and I shouldn't be and I've decided this year I'm going to go for systems not goals I'll talk about that maybe a bit more later I think I've preempted <laughs> what I think you might be asking me um, so I want to make sure that I don't, don't care about what's happened in the past I can't fix that but I can make sure that everything going forward is a little bit better than it was before and I talk to quite a lot of project managers who are in a pickle for whatever reason. But if we can just work together to plan the next bit 
you know, like sort of getting to inbox zero. Is that even achievable? Probably not. But for every new email that comes in, you could handle it in a different way. For every meeting that you book that doesn't yet have an agenda, you could have an agenda, but you're not going to go and write agendas for all the meetings that have already in your diary that you haven't quite got around to planning. But new things that you do, you could perhaps look at doing in a in a bit more planned and structured way. And just yeah. turn over a leaf. It sounds really easy to say. It's a smaller, smaller chunk, I guess, than trying to pick it all up. Is it true that you've actually written six books? Yes. (laughs) Well, the new one's number seven. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, So how many years? 2006, the first one came out. Wow, that's amazing. Amazing. And whilst obviously working a full time job and looking after children, you are you are now my official official <laughs> wannabe. <laughs> how do you do it? Like, how do you find the time? How do you? I actually I, I beg a, be, a, a more um, interesting question personally is how do you finish your books? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'll give you the backstory for that. I've been trying to, I, I've actually just stopped re-reviewing my book and I've sent it to editors now, but it's taken me two years and I finished the book very quickly, but I just rewrote it and 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 being a perfectionist just couldn't put it down. It's got to a point where I just had to throw it at somebody and say, I can't look at this anymore. How do you, how do you do it? Well, the editor gives me a deadline and I write to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's that is one of the challenges is I could go back through any of my books and make them better because I could put more research in or I could frame things in a different way or I could add a new tool or technique but there comes a point where it's good enough so I suppose that's the tech that's the project management thing of don't gold plate your your deliverables if it's good enough and it meets the requirement then go that's going to make me sound like the, the books are really shoddy and I've just put them together in five minutes <laughs> I haven't I've done nine different versions of this book yeah, <laughs> so, so don't undersell yourself and how do you and, and do you ever worry about kind of like these the feedback that you'll get from your books or you know the yes. criticisms and things like that how do you manage that I don't look at Amazon reviews <laughs> <laughs> okay tip one tip number one um I think one of the challenges I have is that I try, I think I attract mid-career professionals because that's kind of, I'm a couple of years maybe ahead of that. So people who are not beginners, also because I don't find writing about beginner topics very interesting um, because I wouldn't want to read that necessarily. So I like to write things that I would like to read. And yet I think if someone comes along and finds my work and they are perhaps more experienced. Some of the books are targeted. The, the book called Project Manager, for example, is targeted at very entry level people. And so I I worry that the the wrong book finds the wrong audience and that someone who's quite experienced will go, oh, you know, she writes good stuff on the Internet and her last book was good. And then they go and read Project Manager, which is this little pink book that the British Computer Society published. But if you looked at it in the context of it's it's part of a series about IT careers and the different kind of careers that you can get. So it's very much a what is a project manager and what kind of career routes and what certifications and anyone who's been doing the job for five years doesn't even need it. So I suppose I worry yeah. about that. But you can't legislate for that. You, The book will find its way into the hands of people who it will help, hopefully. And the multiple projects one I'm so proud of, I think it's perhaps the best thing I've ever written. <laughs> so really? I I want that to do well and I want it to land and really resonate with the audience. But you you don't know until until people start reading it and reviewing it and telling you what they think. You yes. don't know. 
Yes, yes, yeah, that's very true. So tell us more about this book. Where can we find it? When can we expect it? It's um, you well, people can pre-order it now if you're super enthusiastic um, off of any place where you normally get your books, but it doesn't land until the 3rd of May. So it'll be published yep. by Kogan Page later on this year. Uh, we're recording this in February. So in May, it will be um, shipping. So if you bought a copy now, you'll have to wait quite a long time before it arrives on your doorstep. Um, but I think there's going to be an ebook version as well. So I think that, awesome. that will probably arrive a little bit sooner, hopefully. How exciting. How exciting for you. So before we let you go today, Elizabeth, uh, what are your plans for 2022? I very much don't want to have to do 2022's work again in 2023. So my whole ethos of this year, I know some people choose like a word for the year and stuff, don't they, which I don't really do. But this year I've decided I need to have repeatable systems. I can make better use of what I've already done. So I want to be able to create things that I can use again next year and assets and processes and templates that I can use again. I've got some stuff that I've used for many years and I think all of that stuff needs a refresh and just to, you know, um, level up. Is that really sad <laughs> to call it that? So you got make, kids, um, level up. <laughs> level up, yeah. But it's a, a case of being kind to my future self. I'm trying to look at my, my life in what 2023, 2024 might bring and think I don't want to have to be reinventing the wheel again. Everything needs to be just easy, easy to hand off to somebody else to do systems, not goals. I can't, Perfect. I can't be credited with that phrase either. I read that somewhere else. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you mentioned it. something about social media, improving your social media. Yes. I started, um, Instagram and I quite like Instagram, but it's, it's something I don't really have any particular skills at doing. So I think learning, um, how learning how to work and interact with people in different different social medias. I'm learning what works best because I feel at the moment I'm kind of a little bit everywhere. And maybe I should be in one or two places doing a good job. We'll see. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, thank you ever so much for being with us today. And hopefully our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. So to our listeners today, if you would like you can find Elizabeth online at elizabeth-harron.com or on Instagram. And your um, your handle, which is one of the words you need to learn, handle is at elizabeth.harron. So, and we'll obviously put that in all of the bio today. So thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a real pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I look forward to reading your book on the 3rd of May. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been great.